0: I'd like you to take your Bible and turn to Matthew in chapter 28 and um, let me just share I mentioned this morning to the crowd that was in the morning service uh, that my dad would probably snicker a little bit at the fact that the, the one Sunday that I'm a formal pastoral candidate is Super Bowl Sunday uh, but I'm encouraged by the number of people that are here this evening and uh, showing commitment to um, what we call important as learning from God's Word and so I'm thankful for that. Um, For several years, uh, the last few years it seems like, and somebody asked if we did it on purpose that we had the Lord's Supper on Super Bowl (laughs) Sunday. Um, I think my dad may have relished in that a little bit but we had tried to do the Lord's Supper on, on a five-week period, and then it would extend a little bit past, and so it was always the fifth Sunday of the year, and uh, the Super Bowl used to be a week earlier, and other activities after, Pro Bowl after and stuff, and then they moved the Super Bowl to the fifth week, and um, <laughs> he said, well, we're not going to change it. So uh, we will be uh, taking the Lord's Supper, not tonight, but soon, uh, with all the things, and in transition, we've uh, kind of held off on that for a few weeks, but we will. Uh, do that in the coming weeks. Uh, in Matthew 28, I want to look at some different things tonight. <clears throat> and uh, many of you have. I've already seen this. And in fact, somebody was teasing me on the way there. I said, Nobody's going to listen to you tonight. They're just looking at this thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so if I, if, at one point when you come up, if, if it's open like a newspaper and I just see newspapers everywhere, <laughs> uh, I'll know what's going on. But I do hope you have a chance to look at that. Uh, when I was putting it together, it's kind of condensed a little bit from. Uh, what I was able to give to uh, the officers, but um, that is just some of the burden of my heart um, as a pastor. And so this this evening, uh, what I want to do for just a few minutes tonight, it's going to be a little a little different. We're going to look at God's word and and try to learn from it. But I want to share with you a little bit of my heart um, as as a candidate. <clears throat> I told the officers yesterday, this is a surreal and, um, grave moment, <clears> This <throat> is not, um, I told them yesterday, it's not an interview I ever really wanted to do. <laughs> uh, I knew that God was calling me over the last, especially the last 18 months that God has been calling me and working in my heart to specifically minister in the role of a pastor. And I had spoken to my mom. It feels like you talk to mom first about everything, right? And, uh, I had spoken to my dad about, what God was doing in my heart, and um, for months had prayed and searched and had even spoken to a few churches that had contacted me, Um, and uh, one in particular that uh, I was aware of and contacted them, and was just praying about what the Lord would have for me next, and in the process of that, uh, everything happened uh, with Dad passing away called those churches and just said I'd like to stay and help for a while and I don't want to be going through um, the praying process and the searching process while I'm doing this as well and so I said I'd like to hold off if you find someone that's fine Um, if not once we see the direction of how things are going um, but I I said I think I just need a few months Uh, God's laid this on my heart And not knowing at that point that this situation or or opportunity would arise. And so um, praying over the last months what God would have my family to do. In all honesty, I want what is healthy for this church. And initially, um, I was not sure that uh, it would be what's healthiest, whether between the family role uh, and relationship or the fact that I've been here. My whole life, um, I started praying to God and saying, God, if you will let me pastor, I'm willing to stay. Um, but if it's a place that I won't be able to influence in that way because of being here, I don't want to just stay and speak or preach or, and I love to do those things, but I said, you know that in my heart, you burden me to pastor. And so if you will let me do that, make it clear and obvious um, that I can have the opportunity to stay. And uh, that is not done and settled yet. Obviously, it could be clear and obvious in a different way next week. But that's how I prayed. And um, I, I wasn't sure how I was gonna handle tonight. I had kind of a different message that I was just gonna kind of plow through and what happened, happened. Um, and I, wasn't, I didn't know, I, I'm glad they asked. I didn't know that everyone would have this. Um, but I'm glad the officer's asked, and because you have that, um, I want to give you a little bit of an overarching view of my heart towards this. Uh, some of my burden is in this, not all of it. <clears throat> um, of course, it, it could be pages and pages long. Some of my thoughts about church as a whole are in there, and um, our church, God's church, Christ's church as a whole. Um, and there, But there's things that aren't in there. You won't find a section about our teens in there and obviously i have something that i think about our teen ministry and i have a a kind of a a vision that i would love to see happen and our teen ministry go to even another level uh, that's kind of included in in some of the bigger broader scope things but obviously that that's not in there there's uh, not a specific place about our bus ministry it's kind of thrown in with some other things so not everything is in there uh, per se it'd be impossible to do that and many have come to me the last few months with some specific ideas, not necessarily as your pastor, but just as one of the ones helping lead at the moment and say, hey, what about this? And I'm, I've been excited about that. Um, I've, people have asked how, just to be frank, people have asked, many people have asked how things are going at the church. And the way that I have expressed it to them is that God in a unique way, in my opinion, has given a unique spiritual momentum um, that only he can give. Um, I believe that death wakes people up sometimes. It did in my life. Uh, I believe that sudden loss can bring into our lives the reflection of what really matters. And um, I have seen that in the heart of our church members uh, that have come even in the weeks after saying, what can we do? How can I help? God's use this in my life uh, to make me w- want to do more for him, submit to him in the time that I have. And so people have come with ideas, good ideas. I've written many of them down, the ones I can remember. Uh, Ideas about children's ministry, security, uh, visitation, outreach, uh, a nap time between Sunday school and the morning service. Uh, (laughs) I wrote that one down pretty quickly. (laughs) But I want to start with this uh, this evening. Um, I won't walk through this. It may bore you to death. Um, you can look through this on your own, but I'm going to reference a few things just on that first page. This is my, everything that's in this is my personal, and I emphasize that, my personal, um, mindset and vision. Um, nothing that is in there is referenced to the successes or failures of our church in the past. Um, I wasn't sure how I would treat this, the interview that was there yesterday, um, and at first I just thought, well, they know me, I know them, I don't know how formal to be with this, and then finally God gave me a to just say, approach this as though you're coming from, completely from the outside, in a way. And so that's what I've done, as if you may have never met me. And so what I've written down there is not simply my thoughts about this ministry, they're just thoughts about ministry, Period. And so as you look at it, there's no inference there to, well, this is what he thinks about this thing in the past or this ministry. It is really just um, what God has laid on my heart personally as I think that the role of a pastor should be. Um, This is not the next few moments I'm not going to (laughs) lobby to be uh, your pastor, but I just want to share with you. I think it would be silly of me to just ignore um, what is going on and the opportunity that has been presented and I want you to understand that I take it seriously and um, And I'll try not to do that. Look there, if you would, at Matthew 28. I really am only going to reference the first page of this this evening just as a launching point, a reference point. The ministry and the mission and the vision that God has given me as an individual, being called to preach, and particularly being um, it laid on my heart to pastor. Uh, As I prayed about God's role Uh, My role in God's work in this world, there are so many ways you could go, um, and there are many people ministering in thousands of different ways around this world, and I was seeking for how God, God, how do you want to use me? And he brought me, of course, to this great commission given by Christ. This is not the mission or vision statement of our church. This is in order to reflect that. This is simply me. The Great Commission, of course, is given by Christ. And if you would, look at Matthew 28, look at verse 16, if you would. It says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw Him, they worshipped Him. Which should be our response. That should be the response of people that come to this church and see Christ through the lives of the Christians here. They should want to worship Christ. They should not be discouraged, they should not be disparaged, they should not be put off by us as Christians. Christianity is confrontational, it brings people to a decision but people should see our love of God and long to worship Him. And then in verse 18, Jesus gives us this specific mission and He says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And therefore because I have all the power here's what I'm going to tell you to do. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you all even unto the end of the world. Amen. Sometimes we leave off the first part of that commission, all power is given unto me, and sometimes we leave off the end where it says, I am with you all the way even to the end of the world. But that's the most crucial part is that God's power in this mission is given by God Himself. He doesn't say, here's your mission, James, as an individual preacher or minister. You have to summon the power. He says, I have this power. And this is your mission. And then he says, you don't have to do it alone because I'm always with you. And so I'm encouraged by His power and by His presence. But within the power and the presence of God, He has given us Something to do. And it should be carried out. It should be carried out in each one of us. It can be carried out in various ways, in different stages of life, in different cultures. And it can look different, but it still has the same goal. It may have different methods and slightly different mindsets, but it still has the same supreme outcome, the glory of God by the salvation of men. And so in thinking about this, I just this is nothing new, just want to draw attention to it. God gives power to this mission, and God gives urgency to this mission. Let me read you a verse. You don't need to turn there for time's sake tonight. But 2 Peter chapter 3 says this. Verse number 8. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing that the day Uh, that one day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which heaven shall pass away in a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversations and godliness? And when I ask myself that question where Peter says the world will end, God wants all men to be saved. He wants everyone everywhere to come to repentance. And in thinking about the fact that time will end, what's your role? And if you look at the Great Commission, we'll point out these few things very quickly, and they're they're there in the text. Number one, it just says to go, it says to take action gives us a mission it says to do something it applies you must live this out on purpose you go you engage you take action it doesn't you don't just let the world come to you you go you do whatever you need to and that can look different ways and different different methods and different things it could mean i knock on someone's door it means i help someone that drop something somewhere and maybe I'll have the chance to speak to them about Christ. It may be my co-worker, my family member, my neighbor. It may be the people that I engage with on an everyday basis. It may be the people that I engage with only once in a while. It may be people in my own community or God may burden me to go to another area of the world, but he says to go. He says take action and engage. This is not just for missionaries that may go to a particular place. For someone called to plant a church in a particular area or state, it is for all of us to take action and engage. Number two, it tells us to teach. No, she says, "Go ye therefore and teach all nations." It means to make disciples. Uh, if you were to look back at chapter seventeen, verse fifty-seven, the, the last phrase says, "Who also was." Jesus disciple, that word disciple there is the same root word used in the word teach. It means to make disciples in all nations, of all people, burdened regardless of skin or language or culture or status. You go and you make disciples. What does it mean to make disciples? Guide people to the saving hope of Christ and then encourage them and teach them to follow we simply engage people, go, and seek to help them become what Christ has done in us. I that there on the, this first page. It says, Jesus calls us to love Him, serve Him, and submit to Him in obedience. And then He furthers that call by commanding us to help others learn and love and follow Him by submitting their obedience to Him. We simply go and make more disciples. And then, number three, and... And being in a Baptist church, it's good that this one is there. But we baptize. What does it mean to baptize? Why does Jesus include this here in His Great Commission? Now, we are Baptist, and so uh, we like that it's in the Great Commission. And we know that there's no saving power, there's no cleansing spiritually that comes from the physical waters of being baptized. It does not give someone the Holy Spirit. We'll say, then what is it? Simply, it is how Jesus chose to allow His followers to display their commitment and to take on a new identity in Him. It pictures that they are given to the death of their sins, the death of Christ on the cross, raised to new life. And therefore, Jesus says, go, teach, make disciples. And when someone becomes a disciple, they should be willing to identify with me through baptism, becoming a new creature. So we should seek to encourage people, and this should be a place where people are sought out when we go. It should be a place, uh, and my ministry longs to make disciples, to see the saving hope of Christ, to follow Him, willing to give their lives to Him, shown through baptism. And then the last thing of this particular, it says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So it says, teach simply, To obey. What does it mean to teach, to observe? It means teach, to obey. Teach to obey what? All things that I've commanded you. Well, how do we know what God has commanded us? Where do we find it? We find it simply in His Word. And So what is our mission in this world? We go and we engage on a daily basis. We seek to make people disciples by guiding them, not to ourselves, not to our church, not to our methods, but to our Savior and His saving hope and transforming power Then baptizing, leading them to identify with Christ, not identify with me, not identify with Lamar Baptist Church, though those are good things, but to identify that they have given their heart to Christ. And then in turn, teach each other to obey the words of God. We don't have to come up with any sort of creed or uh, method within our own church. We simply seek to follow Jesus. If you would, flip to Acts 2 for just a moment. What do I believe are the ministries of the church? I, have, I heard that question, speaking to one of the churches. Not, not our church, but speaking to one of the churches. What do you think the ministries of the church are? And um, a little bit on the fly here. Luckily, I had just gone through this passage in Scripture. I'd never been asked that in that way or that phrase before. And we may think, oh youth and adults and children and this and that and specific ministries but what are what does God call us to minister and we we look at the early church what how did they minister what were their ministries they didn't have a teen ministry and they didn't even have buildings per se uh, that were dedicated completely to nothing but worshiping and uh, coming together for the Lord so what is church what are the ministries of a church and I'll share with you this and Uh, We'll be done in just a few moments. Wherever I minister, wherever God allows me to help, and wherever God allows me to lead, I believe that there's a pattern set by the New Testament church in Acts chapter 2. It starts all the way back in verse 1. The first point goes from verse 1 to 41. Now, we're not going to read all of that for this evening. So look at verse 38, if you would. It starts in verse one, but we can kind of summarize it as we get down to verse thirty eight. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off. Isn't that a, a great message? that there is no one in our community, there is no one in our city, there is no one in this world where God says, not them. He says, all of you. And that should be the message of any Christ-following church. To any, Anyone should be able to walk in the back door and hear this from our lives and the way that we live and the way that we speak in our gospel. You can be saved. God wants to work in your life he says, for the promise to see you, your children, and everyone, even that are far off, even as many as the Lord or God shall call, and with many other words did he testify. So, I also take that to heart, with many other words he preached. So, they said the sermon was so long, we had to summarize it. And to exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation, meaning crooked generation, and look at verse 41, then they that gladly received his word were baptized in the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Now, we'd love that. But what do we find in this first part? We find that the first ministry of the church is to evangelize, it is very simply to teach and preach to the world. Christ loves you and he wants to save you. And in our day and in our culture, that can... That can come in so many different ways. And and you'll find, as you reference through that, that that may look a lot of different ways. We live in a postmodern culture with a biblically illiterate society where when you say, you want to come to church with me? People have no idea what that means. When you start explaining salvation, well, there's a God and he loves you and Jesus came and died. Whoa, who is this? And what is your God? Are there more than one God? And everyone thinks of it in different ways. And the first place that a person hears the preaching of the word of God may not be in these seats. It may be on your street. It might be in your desk or your office chair. It may be at lunch. But they should hear from this church the preaching that Christ wants to save. We may not be able to get flocks of people to come in and hear uh, the powerful word of God preached in such a way that it's clear and 3,000 are added in a day, but it should be preached. And God can do that not just through the pastor, but it's through the church. It is called, the Great Commission is given to all of those Evangelism can be done in different ways. We won't look at all these passages in Acts 2. It's confrontational. Peter says, here is your sin. Here is going to be the result of your sin. and You need to make a decision quickly. Sometimes it's intellectual. Acts 17, Paul reasons with the people that are there. Sometimes it's testimonial. Luke 8 gives us an example of that in verse number 39. Sometimes it's just simply, here is what Christ has done for me. Sometimes it's interpersonal, it's just one-on-one connecting, but it must be done. Sometimes it's service-oriented, it means I will serve you until you will listen to me. Because sometimes people won't listen until they realize something is different. Think about the people that Christ served. The the woman at the well that he's, he's just speaking to, he's not demanding, he's not doing these different things. People as The disciples that we talked about last week, as He washed their feet, He served them. And they still hadn't got it at that point, And He served them until they did. And sometimes evangelism means we serve until someone listens. It may be, mean inconveniencing ourselves. It may mean that I need to give more of myself than I think is worth it. But it is for the gospel. Number two. The second ministry of the church is the learning or the teaching ministry. Notice verse 42, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That just meant every day. They just kept going over it. Every week. What did Jesus say? Here's what he said. Who are the apostles? They're the ones that were living with Jesus. Well, they heard what Jesus said. What did Jesus say? What did he mean? And that is a ministry of the church. And it can take on various forms it can be children that are four and five years old in cubbies it can be teaching a, a lesson through kids quest where on a cracker it has goldfish and a whale decoration on it and we can tell kids look jonah was suffering but god was merciful god's merciful to you too it may mean that we teach in that way it may mean that you teach In an adult Sunday school class, it may mean that you meet on a regular basis with a smaller group of people to discuss and and to learn God's Word. It can be from the preaching and the teaching within a service. It can be from functions that we have. But a goal and a ministry of the church is to learn and to teach God's Word, to teach what Jesus said, and to teach that it should be followed. Another thing, number three, another ministry is fellowship. We teach to obey God's word and we teach others to teach. and We teach that we want to multiply as a church and we want to be evangelistic. But sometimes a ministry of the church is we have to encourage each other. How are we going to keep doing this over and over and over and be a drain on ourselves and wring ourselves out in the service of the lost if we don't come together and be encouraged with God's word and be encouraged by God's spirit as it moves in and among us as a group? It, fellowship is this, I wrote it down this way fellowship facilitates and enables disciples to participate in and enjoy each other's life in Christ together and that could look a lot of different ways it could be a missions dinner where we're afraid to try uh, food that we brought in it could mean that we sit together you know there's times these last few weeks where service has ended and people hang around I doubt tonight will be one of them <laughs> But it could be sitting around and speaking to each other. It could be I come to your house and we have people that go out every week and visit, whether it's shut-ins or people that are uh, suffering from some sort of ailment or something, they can't get here. We, we go and we encourage them in their place. It could be uh, a ladies' group or a Bible study. It could be a men's breakfast like we're having here at the end of February. It could be any of those things, and it, but it contributes still to the ministry of fellowship. Look at what it says in the verse. Verse 42, it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Look at verse 44. And all that believed were together and had all things common. Verse 46, And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They lived and functioned together for the purpose of encouragement, so that they could teach and so that they could evangelize. Now I want, as as a pastor or as a leader, I want to be able to help and guide and encourage people to evangelize and to learn and to fellowship. And then one that we think of very quickly, a ministry of the church, is simply to worship. Look, if you would, in verse number 42. Again, it says, And they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. And now, notice what he says here at the end. And in breaking of bread. Now I don't think that... He's referring there just simply to they ate together. It's very specific wording there. He's saying, observing that Lord's Supper, communicating and and going through those things together, remembering and meditating on Christ's sacrifice for us in communion, Lord's Supper, whatever you want to call it. It's a form of worship. Well, how else do they worship? Notice the end of verse 42. And in prayers. Look at verse 43, and fear came upon every soul. Now, that doesn't sound like a church you want to be in. The word fear there just means striking awe. They were in awe of what God was doing in their lives. Does that sound like worship that you'd want to be involved in? We're going to meditate on the goodness of God and break bread together, remembering a sacrifice for us. We're going to pray together. We're going to come together in awe of how God is working in and through us. Look at the end of verse 46. That eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. That sounds like worship together. Of course, it includes prayer, communion, singing, teaching, and even giving. We won't go there for time's sake. 1 Corinthians 16, Paul teaches that the people came together. He says, take no more collections. Don't gather any more offerings until I come. And then when I do, we're going to bring what we have saved together, to send it to Jerusalem, to minister to those that are in need. It's a form of worship. It's what the church should do together. We should evangelize together, learn together, fellowship together, worship together, and then finally, we serve together. These are the ministries of the church. Look at Acts chapter 2 again. Look at verse 45. Now, I'm going to guess that... Our service will not manifest itself exactly in this way. It says, And sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. But very simply, they were so consumed with the work that God had done in their lives, they were willing to give and serve and give their lives to others for the cause of Christ. This is what a church is. This is what the Bible teaches the churches to do. Everything in my mind that a church should do or wherever I may have the chance to help or lead or pastor may be, I would hope that God would give me the opportunity to be in a place where everything else falls under these five things. Where our children's ministry evangelizes, teaches, gives them a chance to fellowship, lets them see what real worship is like, and teaches them to serve. Our team ministry should be the same thing. Our college ministry should be the same thing. Let us help you transition out of where the world thinks of you as a child into adulthood, as a career. And let us give you a responsibility to evangelize and reach who you can reach that we can't. That somebody that may be 50, 60, 70 years old may not have the opportunity, may never meet, but you can and you can evangelize them. How can you evangelize? Well, let us help teach and learn together. How are we going to do that? By fellowshipping one with another, by worshiping our God together and seeing the motivation of our hearts through His glory, and then through all of that, we'll then be willing to serve together. Whether it's a bus ministry, an Awana ministry, a cancer ministry that we're trying to really get off the ground. Oh, think think of what that should be. It should fall under all of these things. Reaching people at the worst moment of their life. And teaching them that though they are suffering, God loves them. Amen. By fellowshipping, by teaching to worship in spite of pain, and by serving. Our Spanish ministry, visitation, special events, all of these things fall under these five ministries that we are to win the lost, to teach the brethren to fellowship together, to worship together, and to serve Christ together. Not with my own personal agenda or anyone's personal agenda from within the church, but I feel that when these five ministries come together, they lead to growth. And you'll see that in verse 47 as we're finishing. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And when they evangelized and taught and worshiped and served and fellowshiped, what does the last phrase say? When all those things came came together, the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. I put in there that the work of salvation is Christ and Christ alone. We cannot save someone ourselves. We cannot bring someone to christ by force it is the holy spirit that must work in a life to open their mind and their eyes to the gospel but we can be vessels in which he does that and we will rely on christ for those salvations it doesn't mean we do those five and we're gonna have to build a mega center because thousands of people flock to him though that may be wonderful but what it does teach is that when people are faithful to god's plan god's way God rewards that faithfulness in His time and in His way. And so no matter what is here, this thing, I don't know what to call it. Um, Manifest was probably not a good word. But all of this should fall in these five things. And as a church, Landmark Baptist Church, whether i'm privileged to serve here or whoever it is my prayer sincere prayer is that as mr crane said the ministry it's not over it's not based on a person i came across a sign in pop's office that someone had clipped from something and made for him and uh, they framed it in for him it said the sun never sets on the ministry of landmark baptist church and uh it's it's just a cool little thing somebody made for him. But here's the truth. The sun will set if these five things don't stay the main thing. Because when you keep these five things as the main... The church, I've seen churches that have way too many main things to the place that it distracts from the main thing of the gospel. But if a church is willing to commit their lives to these things... Christ has no end for that ministry because he has no end for his plan. He has no end for his mission because as he said in Matthew 28, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Every head bowed this evening. Share with you for a moment tonight my heart. I was not sure that... This is how I want to handle this, but Lord, give me peace about it. Again, this is not a, a lobbying speech. It's not, it's not to convince you of one thing or another, but just simply to share with you what I think God's Word says a real church should be and what the mission of us as individuals should be. And so tonight, maybe something that has been said, something from God's Word, Maybe it's impacted you, and, and maybe the Lord's trying to help realign some portions of your life tonight. Or even just ask you to commit in a better and higher way to these specific things. To evangelize. We're all called to do each of these ministries. It's not like somebody's in the kid ministry, somebody's in the team ministry, somebody's in Awanas, and you pick one of those. You don't pick one. You don't pick evangelism or teaching or fellowship. You do all these. Tonight in your life, maybe which one is lacking? Is your evangelizing lacking? I'm sure we all could do a better job. Is your, Are you learning? Are you growing in Christ? And then are you teaching others what you're learning? Do you fellowship? Do you do your part to encourage others? Do you come attentive and focused on worship? And are you willing to serve for the cause of Christ? And if God's working in your heart tonight, you're welcome to pray at this altar as a church together in fellowship to commit our church and your individual life to these things that God gave us. And we'll ask Him to help us do them together.